0: Let's open our Bibles to Matthew, chapter 2. I'll be reading from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and then 16 through 18. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, then 16 to 18. This is the word of God. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. In a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more.
1: I don't know why I noticed things like this, but um, but uh, Christmas is a funny time in the sense that in in America, we tend to think of Christmas. There's this famous song, White Christmas, and when we think about Christmas, because the East Coast dominates the way we think about Christmas, and over there, it snows, so we put these little things up here. I was looking up at this going, why do we have these things up there? There's no snow. <laughs> we have Christmas every year, and there's never any snow. So, but I guess that's the way we we tend to think. And then, um, did you notice that Frank, our our youth pastor, is dressed nicer than I am today? That that's fine, okay. I don't have a problem with that. But out of his nice clothes, he had this you know this Golden State Warriors lanyard hanging out here, and I was sitting there going, Golden State Warriors lanyard. That that doesn't really quite go with the way he dressed, but. Uh, so, I don't know why I noticed things like that, okay? Um, let's, uh, let's, let's get into um, today's message. I thought I was only going to have to give you a really short message today, but hey, there, there's plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, man, I thought I was, I mean, I was like condensing. I'm, I'm already thinking about what more I can say, you know, because I have more time than I thought I was going to have, um, but... Um, uh, th- thanks for uh thanks for being here especially uh the youth you guys really do it's it's um, you don't understand if you're around older okay i'm i'm middle aged now that means I'm, uh, I'm i'm above 40 okay and energy in a, when you get above 40 it just kind of i mean there's just you know so when you're around people that are under 20 there's just like this life energy coming out of you sometimes it's really annoying okay but but um but today it's really great, and, and so I'm really happy that you're here. Um, today we want to give, give you a message. This is a season that's called Advent, and Advent means coming. And uh, it only, it's not only the celebration of the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world the first time, uh, which is what we're celebrating now, Christmas, but it's also that we are still in a world that's still sick, And dying and filled with blindness and hatred. And um, this is a passage that's actually... Today, you know, we're looking forward to a time when there will be peace. When there will be justice. When there will be... um, When the world will be healed. But actually, this passage is actually a very disturbing passage. You know, that Christmas is a very realistic season... Um I in America we don't celebrate it like it's a, it's a realistic season. We celebrate it. I mean and I don't and I don't mean that in any kind of mean way, um but we do like you know we we celebrate snow even though there's no snow here, okay? Uh, and the reason is because um you know there's this famous song White Christmas <clears throat> and uh you know sung by Bing Crosby well before any of you guys were born. And um and it it was about snow and it was about the times on the East Coast, and you have all these soldiers that were away for war, and they would start crying when they would listen to this song. And these kinds of these, these things fill our minds at this time of year because we think about being united with our families and giving each other gifts and embracing each other. And, of course, those are all incredibly wonderful things about Christmas. But Christmas has actually a lot more to do than that. Um, it has to do with that there is a promise that there is a promise of a, of a king to come into the world, and that king is like no other kind of king. And today's message, um, I, if, I, if I said, I was thinking about entitling this, message, who is your king, and that would make sense from this passage, but um, we, we all live in a democracy, and so it doesn't really quite resonate with us. You know, There's no king in our society we don't look to a king. We kind of look to a president, but not really. <laughs> um, uh, we, we really believe in our society that we rule ourselves <coughs> in a lot of ways. And so we're, we have a certain kind of blindness in our society about the importance of leadership, actually. And, and, and it's not really that hard. I, and today, that's really what I want to talk about. What, when, the, when the Bible is talking about Christmas... Really is talking about the promise of a real leader. A leader, the kind of leader that the world hopes for. And that's why today's message isn't out, Who is not about whos Your Leader? We're going to talk about leadership today. And, um, because that's what the passage is really talking about. There's a profound, deep need in the world for wise leadership, just leadership, humble leadership. And um, I'm going to get at that in three parts. Part one, I'm just going to talk about the problem of leadership in general in the world. Okay, The problem of leadership in the world in general. Right? Part two, who leads you? So I'm talking about leadership in your life. Who leads you? Or another way to put it is, who's your king? And by the way, everybody needs one. Everybody needs one. We don't think so. But that's—I'm pushing back to you. There's a lot of people. Things like, I don't need a king. I just run my own life. Um, I'm going to give you a little hint, a little preview to that part of the message. If you're running your own life, then that means you think you're the king of your life. That means you have a very bad king. Okay, I'm letting you know that. And then part three, real wisdom in the gospel. Okay, real wisdom in the gospel. Um, part one. The problem of leadership. Before I even get this, I mean, you know, the, this passage today is talking about a king. Most of you are very familiar with this passage. His name is Herod. That's actually not his name. It's his, that's his title. Um, Herod, doesn't, he's not the king of all places, but there's, he's kind of like more of a governor. But obviously he's not like a governor today because our governor has, has, is under the law. This is a governor that is um, above the law. Uh, and you can see this when you get to this very disturbing portion in the latter portion of this text. We tend to think about Christmas as primarily, like I said, a, a fuzzy and warm time. But actually, um, the first Christmas was very bloody. Hmm. Babies. Um, a lot of male children younger than the age of two. I mean, Just think about that for a moment. Just think about this. Hmm. Um, we have a lot of boys running around this church who are two years old, and some can't, they can't walk yet, and we like picking them up, and we like playing with them, and of course, we have young girls at that age, too, but um, just imagine, I mean, just just try to imagine this, if soldiers were to come into a a town, into a town, so let's just pick a town, Um, so maybe not the city, but, uh, you know, one of our towns, and it's a little more than a town, let's just say, Santa Clara or Sunnyvale Sunnyvale is a town of 200,000 or let's pick something closer to a town I live in in Cupertino I don't know if you can call that a real city Um, but it is a town of 50,000 and can you imagine if soldiers were to burst into every house of the town and find out if you have a child a boy that's two years old or younger and kill that kid that's, that's the story. Now, they didn't have a population of 50,000. I don't really know what the population of Bethlehem was. Um, it probably wasn't huge. But no matter whether you have a large population or small, to murder every boy, every boy under the age of two, that is horrific. And that's leadership in this world. Um, you don't believe me? Oh, that happened a long time ago, Pastor Susong. I mean, uh, that stuff doesn't happen today. It doesn't? It doesn't? Um, it happens all the time. What are you talking about? Hmm. Um, it doesn't even happen very far away. So any of you heard of this little piece of news? Let me Let me tell you the story. There was a couple. The wife is from Pakistan. The husband is of Pakistani ethnic origin, but he's actually a United States citizen. The wife started learning about this group of people called ISIS and their radical understanding of Islam. And this couple legally legally acquired their weapons. I, that's what I understood. I mean, I don't know the full details, so I'm just giving you what I heard through the news stories. Legally acquired their weapons, and um, one of them worked for a government office. I, I don't know the exact name of the gov- you know, nature of the government office. <laughs> I think it was Social Services or something like that. And they took um, these guns and um, walked in and just started shooting, shooting their fellow employees. Just boom, 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 just like that. And this was a pretty recently, after you heard that a number of other guys. In a very, another very, in a very different city, Paris, just started uh, shooting people in the middle of a movie theater. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going, walk, uh, going down to, we have a movie theater with an easy walking distance of our church. It is a very popular movie theater. Um, on any typical weekend evening, Friday, Saturday, that parking lot is packed. And especially at this time of the year, between, say, about Thanksgiving to Christmas, when a lot of new blockbuster movies come out, that, that theater is packed. And so at AMC Mercado 20, can you imagine, just, just trying to imagine this, because it, it's not a really weird event in the sense that you can't, you're, it's not in an exotic place. I mean, I know it's some to you, like maybe Paris is an exotic place, but it's really not. It's a city. Not so vastly different than our city. And some people went into a theater. In this case, it wasn't a movie theater. I think it was more like a... a, Maybe it was a movie theater. That's one of the locations. And just started shooting people. (laughs) That started happening. And what this is, is there's a whole group of people, and they have their leaders, who teach certain ideas about the world, and they find deeply offensive another set of leaders... And then they have a whole other... In another culture, and they consider it worth it to shoot people and even die. So I want you to think about this. Um, the, 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 the... I think it was the wife who was the more radical in, in San Bernardino. So if San Bernardino is not a faraway place from it, you could drive there. San Bernardino is a culture when you walk around in their malls and in their streets and, and you hear the language... And everything—it's—it's it's really, really similar to the, where we live. I mean, it is really similar to where we live. If you went around San Bernardino, it would feel like home. Not a lot different than here. And so, what is what are our, our leaders doing? So, the wife was the more radical. She probably understood that if we start shooting people in the middle of a government office, all the cops are going to come out and there's a good likelihood that they will die. So she knew that if she convinced her husband to do this and then after they do this, she probably wasn't going to be alive after this event. And she has children. They have children. And she considered it. this, This act of horrific violence worthy to leave her children motherless, fatherless. And, um, and then when you listen to our leaders, what are they going to do about this? And they think there can be a political solution if somebody thinks that they can shoot other people in broad daylight and die while doing so. <laughs> um, and then the other side thinks that you can be a political, social solution for this. Let me, let me tell you, there's a profound, there's a profound lack of wisdom there. <laughs> I mean, this is a spiritual problem. Because people believe something about God and the world, if they're willing to die to kill you... <laughs> you know how hard it is to stop people who are willing to die to kill you? <laughs> I mean, they think that their children don't have to have parents, that it's worthy, their, parent, their children are going to grow up because my mom and dad died for this. See? That is the problem that we're facing in the world today. And they have leaders <laughs> and... We're supposed to have leaders, and when I listen to the news, our leaders, and by the way, I, I'm not trying to uh, single out any kind of like political party. I don't think the political party is on the left or the right, nor the police, nor, I mean, the people in our society, we have no idea what to do with this thing. Hm. We really don't. Because one thing, our, the way our society works, is, it's incredibly secular in the way we think. Some things must be led. We think the real leadership in our society always has to be secular. But now you're dealing with the people who think it has nothing to do with being secular. See? <laughs> leadership, it's a, it's a real issue. And if our leadership fails, if our leadership fails on this, I, I'm not trying to scare you, but um, you could go to the movies one day. And be killed. I'm not making that up. This isn't Paris. It's San Bernardino. San Bernardino is not kind of like Santa Clara or Sunnyvale or Cupertino. It's practically the same. And um, you don't think there are people who live in our neighborhoods who... And, you know, most of the people who come from Muslim-dominant countries, they're probably fantastic neighbors. But... um, and some of the people who fall into this, they don't even come from Muslim-dominant countries because some of the people who, who um, are starting to hate our society aren't even, you know, they're the, they're the normal skin colors of the people that you see in our country. See? It's a spiritual problem. It needs spiritual wisdom for a profoundly spiritual war. Hmm. So that one's kind of big and scary. I'll, I'll, let me give you one that's a little bit more mundane. Uh, it's just leadership just comes up all the time. I, I notice it all the time. Um, I'll, I'll give you two that are kind of a little more, um, uh, I don't know, let's, uh, let's just, just say a lot more down to earth. One not so serious, uh, although our city takes it very seriously. Um, the ownership of the San Francisco 49ers thought it was a very good idea to fire One of the best coaches in the NFL. And so now, our team stinks. (laughs) After spending $2 billion, I think it was $2 billion, on that, was it four? Okay, whatever. Some crazy amount of money, right? And um, leadership, see? (laughs) See? Um, And what was it over? It was over ego. It was over ego. And that kind of thing happens all the time. (laughs) All the time. Here is a king in this story. He hears about another king. And his ego is threatened. Now, you know, in, in, in football, it's just, you know, you're just, you're just going to waste, well, in this case, billions of dollars. And, and become a laughing stock across the country. And then, you know, instead of that stadium being filled, we just, you know, we have nice. I, I actually, the fact that our church will suffer from the traffic, the fact that the Niners think, I love it. <laughs> uh, it just means you can all get to church like a lot easier on Sunday morning, okay? So I, I love it, okay? So, um, so praise the Lord for that foolish leadership, right? <laughs> um, but I, I, a little bit more serious, uh, my wife and I, we we were we went to a meeting um, this Thursday night, and it was it was a serious meeting about. Um, About, so uh, a number of you guys know that my youngest daughter, Elizabeth, she's in a special uh, program in a a school in the Cupertino School District, and from K through 8, where you're taught in immersion Chinese. I mean, you are taught in Chinese for 60% of the instruction. Isn't that incredible? The fact that there's even something like that in America is incredible, it blows my mind. And the fact that I can send my daughter to that is like, I I I, started, I almost started crying after my daughter got picked out of the lottery for that program. I'm not kidding. I mean, really. I was so happy, but now this meaning is what the so this program is K through eight. What do the what are the parents can to do when the child goes to ninth grade? Because I don't know if you know this, but in Cupertino, um, the Cupertino school district is runs K through eight. But they do not run nine through twelve. The local schools um, that where we belong to is the Fremont Union High School District, and they run five different high schools that that the, our kids, well, some of that our kids feed into. And guess what? So this is this is what I found out in, on Thursday night. The the Mandarin immersion program in Cupertino has been around since 1998, 17 years. For 17 years, 60-some-odd kids are coming out at least, at, you know, at the age of 13 or so with, I don't know about fluent, but really good, in, I mean, incredibly good in Chinese, okay? And then, and um, the school board of the Fremont Union High School, this is our, among, this is one of the best school districts in the whole state of California, supposedly, in, in, in academics, okay? The school board of the Fremont Union High School District, do you know what they know about this, um, about this uh, Chinese language immersion program? Apparently, the school board doesn't know about the program. <laughs> <laughs> They don't even know about the program. So after 17 years of leadership, and all these kids, hundreds of kids, with this incredible education, coming into ninth grade, what have they done for these kids? They have done almost nothing for these kids. That's what I found out on Thursday night. I was like, wow. I, I... I, I, I um I had all these crazy mixed emotions: shock, anger, <laughs> just, just just disbelief. <laughs> that, that's what happened to me on Thursday night, okay. My wife, too. She's just, "Oh, uh-huh. okay, she didn't see my wife's face, okay. Um, w- w- welcome to leadership in school systems in America, right? Now, not somewhere far away. Supposedly, the best schools <laughs> in our area, right? The best schools in our area. Great leadership, right? Uh, I hope one of the school board members hears this sermon. You can make it happen. <laughs> All right, um, problem of leadership. Um, let me go to part two. Um, so, you guys care about leadership? I hope you do. I may talk about something a little bit more at home. Um, we live in America. I already said this. We don't have a king, so since we don't have a king, we all believe in this weird little delusion. I'm my own king. Okay. I, I, I know even the ladies. You know, you. Well, I'm my own queen. Okay. Well, you probably. I'm my own king. Okay. Right, right? Even the ladies. I'm my own king. Okay. Um, we all think that we run our own life. And for the most part, it is, a, it is a great country that you're not being dictated to all the time. Um, but, but um, so because we get to, we think we get to run our own life, and it feels like it. It feels like it, right? Uh, it, it's so common in our society. I mean, uh, you, you choose. What are you going to watch on TV? There's a hundred channels. <laughs> when are you going to watch it? Oh, wait. We have a thing called DVR. We don't even have to watch commercials. In our house, we don't watch commercials. If you watch commercials, heh, I don't know what's wrong with you, okay? <laughs> okay? Um, we don't watch commercials. Yeah? Um, uh, I, there is a, just just huge choice of what food to eat. Huge choice of what books to read. Uh, there's this thing called the Internet. And so... You know, you, the, you some of you young guys you don't re- you actually even read on the internet. You just watch things. <laughs> My kids do. They don't even watch TV. So when I was a kid, there was there was about 15 TV channels. Huh? I, I know that was a really primitive time. Okay, <laughs> and there was this thing called a dial, and you actually had to get off your rear end and you had to get up there and go click. Okay, and but nowadays you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. There's a hundred channels, and the first time I got cable, TV, and we got 40 channels. That was, wow, okay? I'm, I'm in control. And, and we think this is the way it is. And even the way we're going to have our love life, okay, we, we, we're going to get, there's all these different people out there, and, and then there's, there's all these different uh, dating sites. There's all these different things that we're in control of, right? Um. Let me tell you, you think that uh, Herod is an especially bad man? From what I can make out, almost everybody I know acts like him. In the kingdom of your life, so there's a little place in your life that you consider belongs to you. When somebody comes into your kingdom, when somebody comes into your kingdom and kind of impedes and steps into your kinship. you know what happens? What happens? Anger. Somebody has to pay for the fact that they left their sock on my little corner of the room. <laughs> it happens right in my house. You, know, you should hear the things that are said between siblings that are supposed to love each other. I'm not trying to... And come on, and I'm not... Just trying to say, my, hey, my kids are actually pretty good. I'm, you know, they're actually pretty nice kids. But you should just there's little places that belong to their kingdom. <laughs> and you should hear the things, the, the the things that come out of the heart and out of the mouth when the kingdom is encroached. It's threatened. <laughs> and and then it comes out in other ways too. Um, any of you guys drive? You're driving. This car is your kingdom. This road is your kingdom. And how dare some other loser, especially of the wrong race and ethnicity, get in the way of your kingdom because you have the right to get to work on time comfortably, right? And what happens when that happens? this murderous heart starts to come out. Does it not? And um, we have a country of a whole bunch of little kings, and they're all just like this king. Really. It's just that most of us just don't have enough power to kill a bunch of kids. But if any of us were given such power we probably wouldn't be a whole lot different.
0: Hmm?
1: Most people, when they're given power, huh, usually somewhere along the line, they abuse it. Right down to, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a, so now, you know, I don't want to bag on my kids here. Let's, let's, okay. I'm an oldest son, okay? And I remember listening uh, many years ago to a pod, uh, well, yeah, I have one of them, okay, I won't, I won't reference a, a podcast, I had a roommate when I was in grad school, and he was an only child. Right, and he had a best buddy when he was growing up, and he would go hang out with his best buddy now every now and then. And his best buddy was a younger brother had an older brother, and he said, "Oh man, you're so lucky you have an older brother. I wish I had an older brother. He'd take care of me, watch after me. I'd learn from him. It'd be, it'd be great." And he says, "Really? That's what his friend said. Really? You want to know what it's like to have an older brother? Come over to my house." he kick your butt all the time, too, <laughs> and steal your candy <laughs> and verbally abuses you. <laughs> Come on over. You'll you get to find out exactly what it's like. And, and let me tell you something. As an older brother, let me tell you, and, and, and remember, I'm godly, okay? okay? Remember, I'm godly, and, and I was kind of godly. I was kind of godly as a child. I did all of that to my little brother. <laughs> I did all of that to my little brother, all of it all right i mean i would walk into the room i mean just okay this is just to show you what kind of brother i was but and this, come on this is just so typical i'd walk into my room and i'd be bored my brother would be lying on the couch reading his book and i would see his ear and i would just go right up to it real quietly and just go bang <laughs> just just to, just to see him react because i was bored <laughs> Because in my mind, this room, I'm the king of this room, and he's my subject.
0: <laughs>
1: That's how every older brother acts. Okay? Um, leadership. Right, well, I, I, I sense a lot of young people can relate to this message. Okay. Um, but... Um, but we're all like this. Someone, uh, encro- it's, it's my money. It's my space. This is a. This is what wrecks a lot of marriages, by the way. Right here, a lot of marriages are tanking. Right here. You got two kings. It's kind of weird to call the wife a king, but okay. <laughs> if there was a king and a queen, then they, they might actually get along. But if you just have two kings, <laughs> but. And this is really what makes the world awful we can't have peace we can't have humility we can't have generosity we can't have forgiveness because I'm right and I have to be I have to get my way that's what the world is like that's what you and I are like we're not different and what is Christmas and here's part three this story is saying there were two types of people. One was a set of wise men. By the way, it doesn't say in the Bible there were three. It says there were three gifts. There might have been ten, there might have been two. They're leaders, and they were wise leaders. Here's what real wisdom looks like they're wise leaders, and they're looking for a truly great king. And when they go find this king, they study. They learn of the prophecies. They know the promises. They believe the promises. They act on the promises. They go meet that king. And what do they do? They bow down. That's what they do. And there's another king. And he's more like most of us. When there's another king. See, Christmas is a, is a leadership challenge. It's a kingship challenge. There's a question today I want to ask you. Is Jesus a king, a leader in name only in your life? It's sort of like a president. He's like out there, White House. He's just kind of out there. <laughs> when nobody cares. Is it relevant? Is it kind of like an irrelevant president to you? He has a title. But no real leadership that you bow down to, that you seek, a leadership that you seek. So there's an old way that we like to say this. We like Jesus to be the Savior. He pays for all the sins. Great, because I like to sin. I'll do the sinning, and he pays for it. <laughs> That's cool. We like that part of this: him being the Savior. But actually, he also needs to save us from ourself. And you know how he saves us from ourself? By becoming the Lord. By becoming a king. And like I said, we live in America, we don't even know what the Lord is. We're so not used to obeying anybody. But we need somebody much wiser than us. And here's the gospel. Real wisdom comes through the promises of the gospel. The gospel is, there'll be a promise of a king. More wise, more just, more humble, with incredible integrity. And how do you know this? Because you notice how he's not like any king that we've ever, ever seen. There is no flash. There is no pomp. There is no circumstance. The first person he is proclaimed to aren't even these guys. (laughs) Do you notice? There's no shepherds here. These guys aren't even the first guests. They were shepherds, very, very lowly. And he came to forgive. And he came to heal. And he came to eat with people who don't deserve it. And he challenged people that were very, very challenged and disturbed people that were very, very prideful. And he came to rule by dying for us. That's the gospel. I think that's a king worth bowing down to. I think that's a king that we need. And one day, here's the promise of Christmas. That king will reign. And everybody will be wise and bow down. And there will be peace. There will be no more murderous hearts spewing murderous Feelings and words out of our mouth or from our hands or from our guns or from our fists or from mean, horrible, cruel older brothers doing this <laughs> to little brothers. There'll only be grace, mercy, humility, forgiveness, joy. That's the promise of Christmas. So today, if you haven't been bowing down to this king, let me call you To remember Christmas, be wise, bow down, and have peace. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to bring peace to a prideful, cruel set of kings who have no business being kings when you're the only truly good king. We thank you for... We're not even worthy of you. But thank you for leading us even when we rebel against you and are foolishly turning to ourselves. Forgive us. Have mercy on us. Send your spirit to humble us and turn us toward you. Give give us a measure of peace in our city and protect our cities, especially from some of the terrible violence. And give some wisdom to our leaders, we pray in all kinds of places, in school districts, even, yes, even the liners, I guess. (laughs) And let us give you all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name.